and welcome to the Doctor Who Show. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And once again, we are here for our hot take review. Tonight, we are doing episode six of series 12, Praxius. Rob, how are you? I'm well, Dave. Very well indeed. Yes, Praxius, written by Pete McTie with Chris Chibnall. Uh, apparently with Chris Chibnall. That that, that, that code credit is becoming quite a thing these days, isn't it? It is. I noticed someone on Twitter changed their name to whatever their name is, with Chris Chibnall. <laughs> uh, that's the sort of um, humour that appeals to me. Yeah, I, so it's not just us who have noticed that. <laughs> so Rob, it's been a long week in fandom. Um, I think Doctor Who fans have discussed every aspect of last week's episode except actually last week's episode <laughs> very true i even went and wrote a rather long blog on it at policebox.net myself but we'll uh, we'll discuss more of that in upcoming weeks right now we're going to talk about praxius i finished watching this seven minutes ago rob you watched it this afternoon what do you think dave i think we sometimes say uh things are greater than the sum of their parts I think this was the opposite. I think there are all sorts of interesting parts, but it didn't make for a very interesting story at all. And to put my cards on the table, I was absolutely bored by this, even though I can see objectively that it wasn't a bad story. Uh, well, I don't need to say anything, because you've just said it. <laughs> really? Uh, look, I... Again, cards on the table. Like you, I was kind of bored by this story. I didn't really engage with it i didn't think it was all that good mm. i want to be very clear though there are different types of not good and there are some that i would sort of call actively not good where you're you're actively getting annoyed by something or you think you know that there's actual bad acting or bad writing and and it's just it's, it's that sort of active bad this, yeah. this this definitely wasn't that it just didn't engage with me uh, there were positives. The location work was really good. I think we've had the best and most even use of the four members of the TARDIS team we've had for a very long time. There were positives, but by the 20-minute mark of this, I was kind of sitting back in my chair just going, um, yeah, so, so what? <sighs> and by the 35-minute mark, I'm just going, huh? Yeah. What? Yeah. Was that your reaction? It was, and I'm so glad it wasn't just me. I mean, so am I. I mean, if it was just me, okay, I could wear it, but it's so heartening to hear this, because I've not gone on and, and looked at a lot of fan reactions yet, and I thought, ooh, I might be the controversial one tonight and say that this is no good, because it's Pete McTie, Dave, and we loved mm. what Pete McTie did last series. And we I did. thought, uh, gosh, I think I just might be an outlier here. Maybe I'm not. So I think the scene was set by the fact that this opened with narration. That is usually a very bad sign in any TV show or movie where the scene has to be set by the main character narrating. And in fact, it's kind of set up this episode as being, and I'm very hesitant to use this phrase, but un-Doctor Who-ish. Now, mm. I'm hesitant because Doctor Who can be so much and it's so broad. And so I know that's kind of a silly phrase. I'm aware I'm aware of the silliness of what I just said. Mm. But, but it did sort of start to feel a bit like an episode of Star Trek or something with these explorers exploring a planet and finding a virus and then they went back to their medical unit to go and do stuff it I don't know it just didn't quite feel like Doctor Who for me yeah am I going too far there no, I don't think so. And and the way you say it, it started off with, you know, the, the narration, the, in, in a sense, explanation or exposition. I, I've made a note here. Guess what's back? Back again. 
Exposition's <laughs> back. Tell a friend. Um, there, there, there are two things that stood out for me particularly. This was in the first five minutes, and then I stopped like looking for them. Jake Willis, he crash tackles the kid in the shop, and then he explains to the woman that he's a cop on a break. But why would he have to do that when presumably, based on what she just said to him, she already knows that? <laughs> why would he be explaining that to her? <laughs> yeah, ex- exposition was back in a big, bad way. Unfortunately, some of it I just couldn't follow. Um, and, and look, I want to get to that a bit later on. Let, let, let's sort oh, of okay. start... I've got other examples, so I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, I want to get back to that as we sort of get further into the episode, because I do want to go back to the start and what was some quite promising stuff. I did write down very early on that this looks great. I, mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed the global aspect of this. I thought Hong Kong looked like Hong Kong. Madagascar, I don't know what Madagascar looks like, but that looks pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Peru, I kind of have a vague idea what it looks like, and that looked pretty good to me. And I, I did like the ambition and the scope of this episode, and I liked the way that the crew was integrated into the different parts of that episode. Absolutely, and I believe much of this in real life was shot near Cape Town. Um, I believe the weather wasn't on their side. They got blown about quite a bit. But yeah, it looked wonderful. looked fantastic. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear it was filmed in Cape Town because I have been there and I do know what that looks like and it, it looks a lot like that. So mm. uh, that's, that's good. Um, what did you think of the idea of the Doctor sending the crew on missions, complete with Star Trek-style communicators? You know, I didn't mind it. I quite liked the idea. I got the sense that the companions are more uh, mature in what they can achieve. The Doctor trusts them more. They want to do more. And I didn't mind that aspect that much, to be honest with you. No, I didn't mind it. It did feel unusual for this TARDIS crew, where I've made notes over the last couple of weeks that the companions have started to feel very subordinate to the Doctor. Mm. This actually felt like a Virgin New Adventure where the Doctor would send Ace off on one mission and Bernice off on another mission and, and all this. And I, I quite like that. It just took me a few moments to sort of go, oh, they do missions now. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I liked it. Uh, and indeed, following on from there, I, I made a big note here that at the point where the bird attacked one of the two roaming girls... I sort of thought, oh, okay, it's, it's been a bit of a slow start, but that, that was exciting and that was a bit creepy and, well, good, I'm, I'm into this. And then mm-hmm. we had the creepy alien and, and I was like, okay, it's really going so- somewhere and and then it stopped. Yeah, it it stopped. Uh, to talk of those uh, travel bloggers, though, I quite enjoyed for the rest of the episode the, the one who survived, uh, Gabriella, kept asking if, if people knew her. She thought she was quite famous. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that. I did sort of... Um, quite enjoy that idea of them being quite egotistical bloggers and vloggers or YouTubers or whatever the correct term is. Like, yes, that was fine. Yes, although if she has been travelling the world with this other girl for, what was it, four or five years or something, I think they put a figure on it. Uh, That's how long they'd known each other. I don't know if they've been travelling that long, but certainly, certainly a long time. Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. They've known each other a long, long time. They've travelled the world together. She dies and Gabriella's then like, okay well i'm off with this other crew now doing this doing this other stuff having an adventure i was like would you really be like that yeah that leads me into probably my other big criticism of the story and that's that a lot of people just didn't feel like real people here uh that was a point that i had there that the blogger just watched her friend die in the most gruesome way again great effect you know positive there 
But and then was sort of like, yeah, whatever. You know, Ryan touching the virus scales, having made a big point of not touching the bird. I, th- I thought that was going to be a plot thing of like, you know, he touched it now Ryan's infected, but yeah. uh, it didn't go there. But I thought that you're t- you're stupid. Um, yeah, Yaz. Look, I want to compliment again. Positive. Yaz had a lot to do and was really uh, strong in this episode, uh, but again, teleporting into the middle of nowhere was really bizarre, especially given that the alien she saw was wearing some sort of oxygen mask, Mm. which I would have said maybe they don't breathe our atmosphere, therefore she wouldn't breathe hers. Again, it turned out to be okay, but there are just lots of moments, and I get that in Doctor Who, like it relies on the characters to make dumb decisions, it's called drama, I get it, Mm. but these all just seemed a little too dumb. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, and I agree with everything you've just said, but there was one character in here who I, I've i actually made a note that he felt quite real, well, as real as a character in a kid's TV show can be, and that was the uh, the Jake Willis character, uh, who was like, I guess people would refer to him as the deadbeat husband of the astronaut, but I quite like the character development that was going on there, and you know what does seven months mean? I was wondering, well, what what does that mean? And he hadn't gone to the launch of the the astronauts rocket, and there was some really good stuff bubbling away in the background with his character. I thought the Jake Willis character, conversely, was very good amongst these other characters, just doing bizarre things that weren't realistic. Uh, I see where you're going with that, and I think to me that was an example of what you said at the start, Rob of the whole being less than the sum of the parts. Mm. I, I agree with what you're saying. His character arc was really good. But that said, the scene where he sat down with Graham just to talk relationships for three or four minutes, if this was in an episode that was really involving me and really engaging me and I was buying the characters and really getting into it, that scene might have worked. As it was, I was just sitting there going, look, I'm already bored. I've mm. no idea what's going on. And you want me to talk about your relationship for the next few minutes? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I don't care. Uh, and, and, and that's unfortunate because I can imagine how somebody for whom this did click, that would be a very emotional and engaging scene. But it, you know when you're the designated driver on a night out at the pub? Yes, most times, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what that moment felt like to me. It was like, you know what? I'm already watching everybody have fun and not really being involved, and now I have to listen to you whine about how your boyfriend doesn't get you? No, sorry. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Good scene for Bradley Walsh, though, I thought. He played it very well, as he always does. And yeah. we've, we've highlighted before, and it's worth highlighting again, that Bradley Walsh can take dialogue that is not very good and his performance does lift and make a human. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And I had made a note about that as well. It was a great Graham Graham moment. Uh, do we want to talk that exposition, Dave, or shall we talk about some other stuff first? <laughs> let's let's talk about exposition, because it is, it is a big problem. This series, and in fact the Chibnall era, has got an ongoing problem with the lack of a red pen, lots of exposition, lots of explaining the plot. This episode not only had huge chunks of dialogue and huge chunks of exposition, but I didn't understand a word of it. (laughs) As this episode finished, I kind of felt like I was six years old again watching Doctor Who, where as a six-year-old, you can walk away from a story kind of understanding what happened. Okay, there was a virus, it came from another world, then the Doctor found a cure, everyone was cured. Yep, I, I got that. But you don't kind of get all the actual beats and details that go into yeah. that and why it worked. And I kind of felt like that at the end of this. Yep, I know what happened in the plot. I can describe the plot to you. But beyond that, I I listened to a lot of exposition and I don't really know what 
happened. Yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> that is very fair. As I said, I stopped writing the exposition examples down. <laughs> You know, after I had a a few to begin with, I mentioned the Jake Willis one earlier explaining to the woman in the shop that he's a cop who's on a break, even though she clearly knew that. I thought even there, in that example, wouldn't that have been more interesting if that had been left ambiguous? He didn't explain that he was a cop on a break, and next thing he goes to Hong Kong, he's with Yaz and Graham, and then it's revealed that he's not operating officially. And we think, oh, why is that? But we actually, but we already know because he told us in that shop that he's a cop on a break. Mm. And I thought that could have been teased out more. That could have been a more interesting thing right there. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. If we just had that initial moment with him, we think he's a cop. He then says, I'm DI, whatever the name is. And if we'd discovered he wasn't a cop with Yaz and Graham, that actually probably would have engaged me a lot more, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, The doctor rescues the drowning guy on the beach, and the first thing she starts saying to the other two who are with her is, oh, I've sent my companions on other missions. That's why they're not here. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) we've seen that. We don't need to be told that. (laughs) So it's, it's not even exposition that's explaining the plot because of things we don't know. They're things we already do know and we can see. And you've raised examples in past weeks of things like, oh, we're in a tractor beam. <laughs> well, yes, we can see that. I don't I don't know what it is with Chibnall and exposition, especially really cack-handed exposition. It's, it's just bizarre. It's like a disease with him, you mm. know, <laughs> without trying to be funny based on this uh, story's uh, topic. Yeah, so I, I get that there was a virus formed on another world the survivors left to find a cure with you so far Mm -hmm. um they needed to incubate it so they came to earth which has lots of plastic with with you there so far then it took hold in the birds because birds eat a lot of plastic Mm -hmm. but the birds or the humans were doing an antivirus i'm lost now yeah what happened next that's about where I get lost as well. Because the, the, there was the bit where the doctor looked down the microscope and she's like, see what's happening? And Graham's like, no. And then she said, the vi- oh, Earth's so clever. Um, two bits of virus incubating if we can... Bo- I- and now that's combine the two? Hmm. Sorry. Yeah, um, I need and, to and, see and, it again. Yeah, and, and, and sorry, listeners, if you think I'm being sort of like deliberately obtuse. I, I'm, I'm honestly not. I I didn't follow that strain of the thought at all. Maybe a second viewing will we'll, we'll bring it all out. But... um. Genuinely, I, as I say, I know roughly what happened and I can get you from A to B, but the details of exactly what the doctor did and how and why, I'm, I'm genuinely stumped. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you there. Looking for the uh, solution, though, was the Suki Chang character, Dave. I want to say I didn't see the twist coming that she was an alien. You know, that might be a positive. Uh, I th- thought that something was coming because either there was a twist coming or the fact that she had, like, this massively sophisticated viral detection you know, equipment in the beach in Madagascar was have been like just the most terrible plot point like <laughs> of convenience like that that would have just been stupid like like had that had she not had that twist I would have made a big note here about my goodness you know of all the places in Madagascar they find etc etc that would have just been so uh, cheap mm-hmm. um, so I knew that something was coming but I didn't realize that her being a bad guy so to speak was coming so no that, that did work and I thought that performance was quite good yeah, all right. Uh, should we touch on the TARDIS team? Because I want to say up front, Jodie, I don't think was as interesting here as in recent weeks. In fact, I think she was a bit more Series 11-ish. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, there was one point where I wrote down, silly Jodie is back. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, however, that said, uh, Jodie without her coat on, I actually really liked her costume a lot more. In terms of the costume, okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, so that that was a positive. Uh, Graham was Graham. Graham was Graham. I my note again was when he sat down with Jake on the beach. It's like, yeah, here he is. He's the old hand on the tiller. He's a calm voice of reason. Graham is made for these scenes. I wrote. Yeah, look, very very much so. Uh, Yaz, her best episode for a long time. I'd say so. Um, she seems to be, you know, growing in confidence when she was taking all those risks out there, you know, going solo or, or, or with uh, Gabriella with her. Perhaps, I mean, some people have said this might be a foreshadowing of some sort of recklessness that might get her into some trouble. Um, I certainly think something's got to happen to this TARDIS team. I've said it a few times now. I don't think we can go into a third Jodie series with exactly the same team. So whether Graham gets bumped off or dies of some disease we don't know he's got, you know, after we saw him in the at the Doctor's early on in the series, or whether Yaz does something crazy, I don't know, but it could be part of that, or it just might be a bit of character development, I don't know. But, but yes, Yaz had a lot to do, and I, I thought she was very, very good in it. And, and Ryan, look, the weaker of the four this week, but still had some of his own to do, and his scenes... At the start with the bird, where he was being very authoritative and very knowing and, and commanding and sensible, I thought was actually a very good Ryan scene. Yeah, he was taking charge there. And also, there was another sort of potential love interest going on in this episode with Gabriella. Uh, it didn't quite happen. I don't know whether these love interests aren't quite happening because the love interest in question has to die or go away or something. Or whether it's because they're still saving it up for him to end up with Yaz in the end. I'm, I'm less sold on that now as I was earlier in the series. But just noting again, he's a bit he's a, he's a ladies' man again, uh, but it doesn't quite work out. Okay, I didn't spot that, but okay. no, fair enough. Mm. Uh, but, but look, overall, I do give Pete McTie credit for balancing the story across the four members of the TARDIS team a lot better than has been done. But... Mm. I think that where we've, we've spoken before about the pie and giving the companions more of a pie did seem to bring Jodie down. So it, it it does seem that we can't really have strong Doctor and strong companions with this four. Yeah, yeah, agree with you there. Um, Dave, this episode last week, I said I'd be disappointed if this episode just skipped off, you know, tra-la-la, ignoring the huge reveal of the previous week. Um, I know you felt differently, but yep, it did just that. If next week's episode ties into the arc more, I'd be sort of thinking, well, why didn't they play Praxius um, earlier? in the series perhaps and then we just get to the the new doctor the lone cyberman the timeless child whatever else is going to happen in the finale of this series you know more in a in a row of episodes towards the end of the series why put this one in the middle that just really had nothing to do with it and the doctor knows gallifrey's destroyed she knows the cybermen are out there or one of them at least she knows she's got uh, another version of herself out there and it's just like it doesn't matter they're just off on their own little story i, I find that quite weird yeah look we disagreed on that last week and I, I disagree with you mostly this week as well I quite like Doctor Who having as many standalone stories as possible and just being lots of distinct and unique adventures in time and space but where I will agree with you Rob is this didn't feel like the Doctor the character had just been through what she'd been through um, we made a note in Orphan 55 that having just come off what happened at the end of Spyfall the Doctor at least for the first five minutes did feel as though a continuation emotionally of that arc. Mm. Uh, this 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 felt like a retrograde step for Jodie. 
Okay. Uh, one last thing I thought of before we skip off to the sports desk is um, the Praxius deaths I thought were done quite well. Um, yes. they, they weren't gory, and so they fitted in beautifully with the time slot, but it was still quite horrifying to see people just go like, you know, pop, <laughs> and they're gone. They're just blown into dust. Yeah, they were very cool. The bird attacks were very cool. Again, um, Suki's friend got attacked by birds, and oh, who cares? We just forget about him. Yeah, that was a bit harsh. That <laughs> yeah. was a bit harsh. Yeah, that was a bit of a shame. Um, and speaking of, the one last point I had is that I'm sorry, Rob, but given that we now know that the Doctor and the TARDIS can do this when a spaceship is about to crash and explode in an atmosphere, Davo's a real prick for not going back and saving Adric. <laughs> or is he? <laughs> Sports desk time? Sports desk time. Rob, we are back at the sports desk for Praxis to talk about our play of the week, our foul of the week, and our player of the week. Rob, yes. your play of the week. Dave, my play of the week was the location shooting. Um, I've mentioned this in past plays of the week as well. It continues to make Doctor Who look very good. I just wish some of the episodes played out as well story-wise. Yeah, my play is very similar to yours, uh, but I'm going to be very specific, and that is the first scene in Madagascar, that, that collection from, from from Suki and her friend, who, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name, Suki and her friend being on the beach, that wonderful shot of the waves, then the doctor, then the body in the, in the water. Mm. That, to me, was a moment where I, th- I got a very classic Who vibe. I got a very, this is beautiful and gorgeous location filming vibe. Jodie then sort of was talking about the, uh, the chap and she had her coat off, and I thought, oh, she looks so much better without the coat. I really like that look. Yeah. There was a lot in that scene that really played for me. And so that few minutes there, when I thought the episode was going to go in a direction, it sadly didn't, but that's my play of the week. I'll go into the foul of the week, Rob. You've mm-hmm. talked this scene up, but for me, the relationship chat? <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry, I just didn't care. Okay. I genuinely just didn't care about... Um, this look I know that maybe I'm just a sad nerdy Doctor Who fan who is you know more interested in his Doctor Who monster book than romance that's fine <laughs> level that charge at me guilty that's fine but in an episode that I was already finding flat to have to just hear what I just thought was a really cliched and tiresome chat about the relationships of two guys I didn't care that much about mm. as good as Graham's acting was I just that that was a very low point for the episode for me Oh, that, that's completely fair. And and like you said earlier, if someone was really into this story or interested in these characters, I think that scene would have played a lot differently for them because there were some good lines there and Bradley Walsh was playing it well. But if you're not feeling it, you're really not going to feel it, I don't think. Yeah, I'm very curious and looking forward to seeing some reaction videos and reaction podcasts of this episode. I suspect there are going to be people for whom this did click and they'll see it in a very different way to us. And sometimes an episode can either just hit or just miss, and I think this might be one of those ones. I'm going. To, I'm really interested to hear how it played for others. And that scene, as you say, might yeah. might play differently. Your Alrighty. foul, Dave. My foul. My foul lies with Chris Chibnall because the buck stops with you, Chris. Um, especially when you go and stick your name on an episode like this one and earlier ones this series. When you have one of your gun writers from Series 11 give you a script 
and it's got an interesting idea and you know you can go to great locations with it and you add your award-winning talents to it because Chris you are an award winner the thing should absolutely sparkle it should be at least above average if not excellent and this wasn't even average this was below average and I've got to say, Dave, I feel somewhat slack giving Chris this award this week because Series 12 overall has been a real improvement mm. uh, on, on Doctor Who from the past series. And in a similar way, Chibnall's responsible for that too. So I can't not praise him for that. But Chris, the buck stops with you. This could have been really good. And it just wasn't. It was average, below average. Chris, what are you doing? Yeah, the ingredients really were there. It, it, it should have been better. But to finish on a positive, mm. we'll talk about our player of the week. I'm going to go first. And my player of the week this week is the location manager by the name of Gareth Roberts. Ah. Who, who look, I've just got to say, wherever they filmed that, he made that work. He made all the locations work. It was spectacular. A lot of the locations and a lot of the filming of actually this series has been very good. And I've noticed his name in the credits a few times. So a shout out to somebody from the crew, Gareth Roberts, location manager. And who shares a name with a great author as well. He does, yes. written some of my favourite books. <laughs> Dave, my uh, MVP of the week goes to the effects people. And I'm saying that in quotation marks. The effects people. Both practical yep. effects and digital effects. Because the Praxis virus looked really really good and scary and an awful thing on people's faces and arms. And, mm. you know, oh, there, was, there was like teeth or was it scales? Oh, it was horrible stuff and it looked great. And when they popped... It was really something to behold, and I thought, that's scary without being gory. That's that's a great Doctor Who effect. So practical and digital effects, people, this one's for you. Yeah, there are many positives of this thing. There are some good performances, some great effects. There's nothing really bad other than that the script just doesn't really come together and work. One thing we haven't spoken about, Robin, perhaps mm -hmm. it's fitting that we've left this to the end. A very environmental message once again. How did that play for you? Oh, look, plastic in the ocean is a, is a very important issue. As soon as it came up, though, I the first thing my mind went to is, oh, how are other fans going to take this? Because I know there's a section of fandom that just sees any sort of messaging and, and arcs up and gets up against the wall and is like, no, 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 I no, don't want to hear it. And I thought... Oh, they're going down that route again. Do they know what they're doing to people? Do they do it deliberately? Do they do it to troll people? Like, what are, what are the haters of this show not like? Let's do an episode on that. I, I really don't know. I think it's an important issue. You know, you see sea creatures, not, not just birds, but sea creatures cut open like whales and they're full of mm. plastic and it's just really horrible stuff so yeah there's an important message there i wonder if it gets lost somewhat though when we start wrapping it up with aliens and and viruses and and things and we start getting a little bit off what the actual issue is i, I don't know if that's something you know where the kids just get wrapped up in the aliens and forget about the plastics being a real issue or or does it bring it home for them? I, I don't know. But long long answer short, I don't have a problem with it. I, I kind of worried about what other people were thinking more than myself. Yeah, I partially agree with you. I certainly agree that the message is a very worthy one and one that people do need to know about. But I did feel that it was just mentioned a little bit too much. Mm. And, and I, I also was sort of getting to that point of, sort of by the third iteration of the Doctors, there's so much plastic on the Earth. I was like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Please j just move on. And um, 
kind of like we said at um at the end of Orphan Fifty Five. Right message, mm. cack handed delivery. Yeah, I thought probably the most effective part of the messaging in there was the microplastics being in people. Like when I think it was the doctor saying, oh, yeah, you're breathing in microplastics. you got heaps of microplastic in you. You know, I think that might be a more shocking thing for someone to realize than thinking, oh, well, a bird's gone and drank some water and got plastic in its stomach or something. I, I Again, I don't know. Yeah, look, perhaps. But to me, that was sort of kind of lost in me just losing the plot at that point and mm. not being sure what, what, what to go on. Once again, lots of very positive ingredients in this. Uh, I don't think there's anything I can outright say was bad. It just didn't come together. Yeah. For me, my summary would run something like this. I'm disappointed with this episode. It had the locations. It had an interesting enough premise. And yet it just falls over. It's not Orphan 55 stupid by any means, but it's not great either. And I think my greatest crime was being bored by it. And I don't even think that's Pete McTie's fault. I think he's pulled together some interesting stuff here. It just hasn't risen in the oven, to use another cliche. Mm, so, mm. overall, I am going to throw a 6 out of 10 at it. After I did that, I thought, you know, it probably should be a 7, but I'm that annoyed with it. I'm, I'm giving it a 6 almost in in anger or frustration with it. You know, it's like, oh, you're a 6. You're, you're on par with Orphan 55, even if you're not that stupid. I'm in very similar territory to you. Uh, I didn't think it was a particularly great episode, so it's not going to be a high score. I do think that it didn't have as many actively bad aspects as Orphan 55 did. Mm. So I'm going to give it a 6.5 just to give it that recognition that it is better than Orphan 55, more because of what it doesn't have. Yes. And in, in that it doesn't have actively bad components. It just doesn't have many actively... No, sorry, it does have actively good performance. They just don't click. I don't know whether it's the final draft of the script after Chibnall got his hands on it. I don't know if it's the director. Maybe one day we'll, we'll learn that this was, you know, like, like the Nightmare of Eden, you know, something happened on set or the director fell out with someone. You know, there's, maybe there's going to be a story about this one that we go, yeah, no wonder it didn't quite click. Um, I hope there is, because that, that would be... <laughs> yeah, I just hope there is. Yeah, well, look, it comes back to what I said. If, if it did happen after Chris got his hands on the script, it comes back to my foul of the week. Chris, you got to you got to man up and take responsibility. You're, you're the last pair of hands on this. If it's not good, it's kind of on you. Yes. So, look, we much prefer to be positive in these uh, hot takes than, than the negative, and I don't think we have been that positive this week. So, probably time to wrap it up there. Yeah. We are- We are off to Aleppo with Monsters next week. Yes, an episode called Can You Hear Me by Charlene James and Chris Chibnall. So (laughs) make of that what you will. Uh, Look, I like the trailer. I'm engaged and, um, you know, I hope that next week will be more exciting. Yes, same here. I think our our earlier hot takes, Dave, have all been pretty positive apart from Orphan 55. This is another outlier more than anything. Yeah, look, I do think so. And... uh, it's still better than a lot of the worst ones of Series 11. Let me let me say that's my final thought. Yep, mine too. Fair enough. Well, until next week, I've been Dave. And I've been Rob. And we'll be speaking in a week's time. We will. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash thedwshow is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. 
our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights for the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.